Masuk wonder at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power. Jesus for your presence in this place this morning. Thank you that we don't have to know life without you. Thank you that we don't have to experience the world and all these challenges in a hopelessness, but we wait in expectant hope for the appearing of the Lord Jesus. We get to live through every trial, through every trouble, through every hurt and every heartbreak. We get to live in expectation of you and the goodness that accompanies your presence. And I thank you, Lord, that your promise as we go from glory to glory, and it doesn't always feel like that. Help us to understand what that really means. Help us to understand what it means to live from glory to glory. Lord, in right relationship with you. We honor you today. King Jesus, you're welcome here. Thank you, Father, for the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Thank you for the chance to know you through Jesus. of your angels. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Oh, 
Lord, pierce our hearts today. Pierce our hearts with your word. you, Lord. It's all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. I guess you're stuck with me for announcements. Um, so, like I said at the beginning, we do have a team down in Texas right now. Uh, the Texas Tent Revival is the 28th through the 30th, so they're just kind of getting down there right now. I think they're setting up the tent maybe tomorrow. If you've been following on the Facebook stories, you can track their journey. They've uh, done a really good job of documenting each pit stop, and it's been fun to watch. So uh, you can check that out on the New Heights Tent Team, New Heights Tent Ministry. It's on there. You can find it. Um, and so we're partnering with... Uh, COL Baytown, and uh, you are still free to give to that effort if you feel led to. It's on um, the website. You can give to that and just choose tent from the donation menu. There it is. There you go. Um, so something that is very close to my heart that I'm very excited about is we are hosting Identity First again here, which is so exciting. So this is a free event, and if you ask any person who's been through it, I mean, I know it was completely transformational for me. It was, like, revelatory, completely changed my relationship with the Lord, changed, honestly, the way that I saw myself, the way that I saw him. It's, it's pretty powerful. So if you have the chance to attend that, come bring a friend. Again, it's free. It's completely free. Um, so that's Friday night and Saturday. So usually Friday night is like 6 to 8. And then Saturday will be, I think it usually starts at 9 and goes till 4. Um, so as long as we're sticking with the same schedule, that should be it. But that is also um, on our Facebook page. Or if you want to sign up for our newsletter that we do every week now, um, you can do that as well on the website. Uh, we have a grace offering open right now. So this is kind of just a chance to go above and beyond in our giving and really bless um, a specific family um, that the Lord highlights to our leadership. Um, and it's just kind of a chance to support um, those who are in need in our community. Um, you know, if and it's just something that we get to do for our church body um, and just kind of go above and beyond in our giving. So it's a blessing to us to be able to give and support. And then, you know, maybe one day it's a blessing to you when we're in need or whatever. So um, that is open through July. And then uh, our end of summer bash is at the end of summer, believe it or not. And that will be July 30th. I believe, and it's actually going to be in place of service that morning, so it's going to start at 1030. Um, we're going to have live music outside. It's going to be fantastic. Um, we're not going to call it a concert. It's a Christian worship band, but <laughs> basically a concert. It's going to be a lot of fun, so that'll be outside. We'll have games and things set up, so just to celebrate. Um, we've kind of been in the season of rest through the summer, just celebrating the time that we've gotten to spend with each other, with our families, with the kids who are in school normally. So it's going to be fun. Um, so feel free to come to that. Bring a friend. 
And I think that is it. So if the ushers will come, we're going to receive the offering this morning. Um, again, don't forget you can give online. Um, and you can also text to give. But basically, when you text to give, it's going through the same portal. So it doesn't matter which one you pick. But um, giving online tends to be easier for me personally. Um, but yeah, we'll just bless the offering and uh, the usher will receive any of that that's in the room. I don't, I mean, it's really incredible that you remember to bring cash to church. Like that really blows me away, guys. It's really, it's pretty impressive to me. <laughs> I could never like remember to stop by the bank on Friday, get money out. Come, to, It's very diligent. It's awesome. Or check, I guess. People still write checks. Anyway. <laughs> I have written a check a couple times before. Um, anyway, all right, let's go to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the ability to give. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the blessing that we get to receive when we're able to give to your house and we're able to bless other families, Lord, when we're able to lift up those in our community. We just pray that this offering would be honoring to you just the same way that our worship and our work is as well. I pray that you would multiply our efforts, multiply our um, finances in this offering today, that it would go to furthering your kingdom, that you would um, just bless the hands that are giving. Lord, bless each family in this room. I pray that you would just give them breakthrough in the areas that they're requesting it. I thank you, Lord, that the tithe is the only thing that you say to test you in. You say, test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven, pour out blessing. So, Lord, we just thank you for that promise. We thank you for the blessing that comes. Um, Lord, even in just our hearts, even if it's not an immediate financial breakthrough, but that we get to surrender that part of our hearts that can sometimes hold so tightly to material things or things we own. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in this place and the things that you're going to do through this offering. So we just surrender it to you. We ask that you would be glorified in all of it. And we honor you. And it's all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor John. There we go. Man, I love those songs so much. That's really good. Kind of goes along with what I'm talking about today, actually. Well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> so um, I'm happy to be here. So, you know, it's funny. I was, it, the Lord kind of works this way. So, He's been putting on me about lately about something I need to speak about, and I, and I keep telling him no. Does anybody ever do that? You just keep saying, nah, we're going to wait on that. We're going to wait on that. We're going to wait on that. So I kept waiting on it, and then as he often does, can you turn this down just a little bit? Or maybe it's just in my monitors. As he often does, he gives you an opportunity that you can't pass up, right? So that's what he did today. So... You know, he, he told me I was speaking today, and 
you know, I've been thinking about the providence of God, and I looked this up this morning before I came in, and it said the word providence is striking. It comes from the word provide, which is pro, um, and vide, Latin to see. So you might think that provide would mean to see forward or foresee. But what the noun really means, it has come to mean the act of providing for or sustaining and governing the universe by God. And the reason that came up to me, as you know, and we heard he provided for you in the depths this morning during the song, right? And how he always, he always seems to provide just enough, just enough, whatever we need at that time, even when we don't think that it may happen. So I, I titled this message today, The Long Arm of the Lord. And he's been encouraging me lately for some time now to, uh, to speak out my testimony. So I know some of you well. I know some of you a little bit. And some of you I know uh, not at all. But I don't think I've really shared my testimony with any of you. And I wanted it to be something that was like, uplifting and edifying and encouraging and you know something where you can take a piece of it and see where it applies to your own life and you can see the hand of God in your life the way that I've seen the hand of God in my life and, he, and he's there even when we don't think he's there he's there so I started to uh, I started to write that down and I wanted to look at did I give you Isaiah 59 I don't think I did that's all right I got it right here Isaiah 59 1 if I knew my, if I, there we go. Oh, she's faster than me. That's good. So indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save, and his ear is not too deaf to hear. Hold on. There we go. Okay, did I give you Revelation twelve eleven? Would you put that up there, please? They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, right? The word of your testimony is powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. It's powerful. Speaking it out transforms you because you realize what's actually happened in your life. And you realize and you see all the places that God is in your life that you may not have seen it before. You see the providence or the hand of God in your life, right? In the good times and the bad times. In, in. And so as I started to write this down, I was like, wow. And, you know, I'm a pastor at this church, and you need to know my testimony. You need to know where I come from. So we all have a story. A story is something that we should embrace. And if you haven't ever storyboarded before, that's something to consider, too. It's our, our, our testimony or our story is something that we should learn from, for sure. We should learn from it. We should use it to encourage others. But it's also something that we don't have to live in the past. You with me? We have to know where we came from so that we don't relive the past and so that we recognize where God was in it in that plan to bring us where we're at today. That's really important. So what happens is, and what happened in my life, is I never even looked back on the past, to be honest with you, not much. All I did is live in the shame. I lived in the shame of the past. I condemned myself for the past, for the bad decisions I've made, for the 
you know, where I should have gone straight and I turned left or whatever, right? We have a tendency to live in those things. And if we don't work through those things and we push them down, it, that, that doesn't work. We, we don't have to be ashamed of it or let, us, let it condu- uh, condemn us. You with me? Okay. So it's taken me about 58 years to embrace my story. Not very long, huh? Not very long at all. Not very long. 58 years. Well, I'm 58. Actually, actually, I'm 58 tomorrow. So today, today I am 57. 57. Yes. It's not until tomorrow that I'm 58. And I'm good with that. That's good now. But it's taken me a long time. So maybe it's only taken me like a few years less than that to really embrace my story. So today what I wanted to do is I want to share some of it with you. And I want to share it in a way that is just not talking about all of the things that have happened to me, but in a way that, that you can be encouraged by it perhaps and that, that it encourages you to embrace your own story, right, and to look at your own past and your own picture, you know, because what comes with embracing your story is healing and freedom, okay? Healing and freedom comes from embracing your story. It really does. You don't know it till you do it. You don't know it till you do it. Plug for identity first. If you haven't been there, you got to go. That's all I'm saying about that. Her words were spot on. Couldn't have, nobody could say it better. It's transformative. I guess that's why they call it transformation ministries. Yeah, and this church is all about healing and freedom. So if you're here today, if you're here today, this church is about that. If you've never been here before, I'm here to tell you that is what we walk in. That is what we walk in in this church. We walk in a relationship with Christ. We don't walk in religion. We walk in a relationship with Christ. Okay? And you're going to find healing and freedom in that. Okay? So let's get started here. So my story, well, if I'm 58 almost, my story story started in 1965. And no, I'm not going to take you through day by day. That would be a while. But it started in 1965 in San Diego, California. I grew up in San Diego, California. And, uh, and I had a mom who was awesome, or, you know, took me to church all the time, took the family to church, right? I was in Sunday school. Back then, it was at uh, College Avenue Baptist Church. You remember that, Lisa? You know where that's at, right? College Avenue Baptist Church. She wasn't there with me at that time, but we're from the same place. And, and she took us to Sunday school, and she took us to church, and I went to this thing called Stockades. Anybody? It's like a, it's like a Christian Boy Scouts, okay? I'm not, I don't know if Boy Scouts is Christian. Don't anybody give me smack there. But I'm just saying it was the church's version of that. And that was great. I felt like now looking back, you know, my plan started out in God's good and perfect plan for me. Get them young, keep them there. You know what I mean? Bring them to the Lord young, let them be raised in the ways of the Lord, and don't ever let them turn away from them, right? And hopefully they stay with them. Yeah, or so I thought. Yeah, so I I went, I accepted Christ at an early age. I don't remember when. I've probably accepted Christ 20 times in my life, to be honest with you, right? Anybody else ever felt that? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many times in life have have you turned around and said, 
oh man, you know, I, I, I might not be saved, I might not be saved, I might not be saved. I've done it over and over and over again. And those, those years were pretty good. Um, but in 1975, <coughs> about 1975, my mom and dad came back from a motorcycle trip in uh, Texas. And they said, which is kind of interesting looking back. But So the kids were home. They came back. I have two sisters. And my dad said, hey, do you guys want to move to Texas? And I don't, I don't think before that I ever wore shoes. I mean, flip-flops or something. And we all said, no, of course not. So he sold the house, packed it up, put us all in a 25-foot commander motorhome with two Doberman Pinschers, so three kids, two parents, and two dogs, and headed out west. And we spent the next few months riding around the country, which I, I mean, I think was pretty cool as a 10-year-old maybe, except for the first, like, 50 miles where you're crying as you pull away from your house, you know what I mean? And all your friends are waving to you, but... And your dad's like, it's going to be so great. You're going to love it. Yay. Yeah. So, so we did that. But God had a plan for me in that too, right? <coughs> There's a reason that he had me leave in there. All of this adds up. Your story adds up. Your testimony, all the lines in the end when you look back on it. It makes no sense when it's happening, to be honest with you, most of the time. Hey, if you have a testimony where it's been that way from the beginning, you accepted Christ and you're there now and you're at some Man, that's a beautiful testimony, too. Don't misunderstand. Everybody has a testimony. Some people, they have bold encounters and drastic things happen, and they find Christ, and it's like, boom, they're there. Other people, they go through stumbling along in life, probably more like me, stumbling along in life, and these events are happening and unfolding that you don't even know what they are, but, man, I wish they would stop. But they're actually driving you somewhere, right? I think that's probably a lot of people's story. That's probably a lot of people's story. Yeah. So, and I, I say that you each have a story because before you were born, it was written for you in the book of life. Every day of your life that was going to happen was written for you in the book of life before you ever were born. Before any of us were born. Think about that. Before creation... You, individually, had a book written about you in life of your good and perfect plan. That's crazy. All the people in the past, everybody here now, everybody going forward in the future. We all have it. This is the time. Isaiah, I mean, uh, what is it, Deuteronomy? No, it's uh, Psalms 139.16. Your eyes saw me when I was formless all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Let that sit in for just a minute. Like he had it all worked out. He had it all worked out for me, for you, for your children for your grandparents, for your children's children that are coming in the future and their children too. Wow. Yeah. They call that road the road less traveled. When you stay on that plan that he has for you and you just kind of keep going right along, you're not looking either way, 
right? That's God's plan. That's, that's the road less traveled. That's the hard road. That's the hard road. It's almost... <coughs> Okay, so we could all be on that road without a problem because he had a plan for us and it was perfect. And he could have just made us all zombies and we followed that plan. Zombies is a bad word. He could have made it. We could have just been robots or whatever and we follow that plan that he has for us, right? But he loved us so much he gave us what? He gave us free will. We all have free will, right? You have free will. I have free will. Everybody has free will. You can make decisions on your own. That's how much he loves you. Yeah. Now back to my story. So I chose to do something a little differently. And did I tell you that there's someone else who wants you to do anything, anything but choose that plan for you? Anything but that plan he wants you to choose. And it can be just a little bit off of that plan. I've talked about this before. I've mentioned this before. A little bit off of the plan right here, when you go way out there, is a long ways off the plan. Right? That is. You know, they say, oh, we need to accept this and accept that. That's degrees of separation. I believe we probably need uncompromising Christianity. That's what we need. All right. So can you, John 10, 10? A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That thief is someone that nowadays we like to call the enemy, right? We use that term a lot. We use that term, the enemy. I like to, you know what? He's Satan. He's the devil. Words that, you don't, that people don't like to hear in church a lot now, right? That's Satan. That's the devil. That's all his minions. And their whole objective is to lead you. It's like this. This is how it happens. Hey, come here. Did he really mean that? He didn't. He's not really going to do that. I mean, he wants you to be good, but you don't have to be that good. Just come on over here for a minute. Right? That's what he does. Sometimes he (laughs) smacks you in the side of the head and knocks you out in the left field. A lot of times it's just a little bitty, hey, come here. I want to show you something. Take a look at this. Try this. Hey, your friends are doing this. Right? And we're speaking of our our friends doing it. How about this? Like, it's not always, it's not always him that pulls you off to the side. Right? It doesn't have to be a direct connection. It doesn't have to be the devil speaking in your ear. You know why? Because I have free will. And you have free will. And everybody else has free will. So you know what else he uses? People's free will. (laughs) Right? No, he uses people's free will. He uses people's free will to knock you off. To knock you out. Don't think he won't do it. (coughs) Don't think he won't do it. He'll do it. He'll use anybody's free will he can to move you off to the side. Let me tell you how it happens. That's kind of what he did to me. That's kind of how he did. That's exactly what he did, actually. Got me to change directions. Not on my own. I mean, you know, I might have made some not-so-great decisions at a young age, like as a very small child. Scratch that. Anyway, 
So I had some help with other people. I had a sister. I had two sisters, I told you, that were two years apart older than me. One was two years older. The other one's four years older. The one that was two years older, I love you, Lisa. I love you. Um, she had already decided to take a path that was going a different direction early on. We moved from California to Texas, and she decided to take a different path. Well, I, lo I love my sister. I looked up to her, right? So Satan uses that to say, well, if, if she's doing it, right? And then I had another. You know what I had? I had an angel and something else. My older sister was the angel. My younger sister was not quite the angel. Let's just say that. I love them both very much, by the way. But she was not quite the angel. <coughs> I had a tendency to go to that direction. So that helped. And then there was something else happened when I was about 11 years old. And I had a... Uh, I was about 11 years old, and we had just moved to Texas, and I had a really good friend, or so I thought. He was a few years older than me. He was probably 14 or 15, maybe 16 years old. Yeah, and he, um, he wasn't really such a good friend. Like, he abused me. You know, some things that happen to you can be really hard to say, right? Um, yeah, so he abused me. He molested me. That's what he did. So that was another way for, for me to be pulled off to the side because that sent me off the deep end as a very young child. You know, that has a lot, that can have a real effect on you. My point is that the enemy will use anything that he can to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't care. And when you're beat down to your lowest point and you think you've gonna, he's going to quit, he's not. But God, but God has a plan for you, that good, perfect plan. And we have free will to decide what we're going to do. So even though we have the hurts and we have the pains and we have all of those things that come, we have free will. It's real. The science that happens in your brain when things like that happen, when trauma comes in, and all of that is very real. But nothing is as powerful as God. Okay? Nothing. Nothing. So it caused me to question, to stumble, to fall, to condemn myself, to all of the things that, that happens. So, so that sent me on this track at about 11 years old, which I feel like is pretty young. That sent me on a track to start, you know smoking pot, doing drugs, you know, hanging out with people that I shouldn't be hanging out with. Very young for that. My brain was probably still developing, you know. That, that leads, so what happens is, and you, and you probably already know this, but like I said, I want this to be, I want us to see God in this, but in order to see God in it, you have to see the enemy. Because if you can't recognize the enemy, you're not going to recognize the deception, the deceit, or anything that comes with it. You're not, and, but, and then you'll recognize God. So he pulls me off to the side a little bit. <clears throat> and then when you get off to the side, you know what? He just starts adding on that. Here's another one. Hey, let's go break into these cars over here. Hey, let's go, let's go start selling drugs. Because you can make a lot more money. You're finding change in ashtrays. 
That's stupid. What are you doing? Let's go, let's go break into these buildings where we know they have petty cash machines. You understand what I'm saying? And it keeps pulling you and pulling you, and that's what it did with me. It pulled me way over to the left, way over to the left. But God had a plan for me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And he protected me from that time. I had a 22-year-old sister who was already spending time in prison. You know, maybe she was younger than that, a little bit younger than that. But she was spending already in and out of jail. You know, this is the one that I was looking up to. Um, so just, you don't. I didn't see God in any of that, right? I didn't see God in, in any of that at that time. But he never gave up on me. That's the key. Like he was always right here. And he's always right here or right here, however you want to look at it, with you. Always right there, ready to say, hey, hey, just like the just like the enemy did that. Only really the enemy's not strong. God's powerful. Enemy's not. So this went on for an, a, a number of years. And I was sitting in this hotel in, or in this apartment complex in this on this couch. Man, I'm telling you, like, I was messed up. I was trying to find a picture of this so you could see what I looked like at that time. It's not good. You look at that guy and you're like, oh, let's cross the street, you know. So I'm sitting in this apartment complex with this guy next to me, and um, we, we were nowhere to be. We were sitting here, but we weren't really anywhere to be found. And this guy, he gets up and he turns right and he runs and he jumps out the window and he lands face down on this. Uh, lucky for him, there was a carport about 10 feet down, but he landed face down on it. And I remember <coughs> um, you know, I remember looking, thinking, like, what just happened? You know what I mean? Like, what just happened? And it, it sparked something in me. And at that time, that's another time that God reached over to me and he said, hey, hey, put his arm underneath me right here. And he said, come on, come on back over here. What are you doing? You're going too far. You've gone too far. It's time for you to listen. You hear me? Has he ever done that to you? Have you ever had him do that to you where you think it's all, you think you don't even understand what's going on anymore. And all of a sudden, and you may not even not have known God then, but something was grabbing you by the arm and saying, hey, hey, come here. What are you doing? You can't keep doing that. And that was a point, that was a point in my life. You know, I, I mark it, I mark that first stage in my life, that first stage I just talked about. Uh, there was a turning point that happened right there. It was, it was one of those times where God intervened in my life 100%. I was in jail or I was going to be dead. There was no in-between. One of those two was happening. When you're where I was at 18 years old, you don't have much of a choice. You don't have much of a choice. We've all been there. So you may not have been exactly where I was at, but you've all been somewhere in that. And God reached over and pulled me back. He said, come here, what are you doing? I made a choice at that time that I was going to go in the military, or <laughs> end up dead or in jail. And I chose the military. 
I mean, to be honest with you, let's lighten it up a little bit. There were a lot of people back then that chose the military, <laughs> right? I mean, there's a lot of people that did that. So that was the second time that God had a providence in my life right there where he pulled me aside and he, he brought me into the, into the military. And that's because he never turns his back on you. Never. Never. How many times does he turn his back on you? Never. Okay? So Deuteronomy 31.6, would you mind putting that up for me? It says, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. So, all of us, maybe not all of us, but a lot of you, have had times in your life when people turn their back on you, they abandon you, and then they get blamed for being the one that caused you to do this over here. Like, so-and-so did this, and I don't trust anybody anymore. Or, right, I've always, I've always said something in my life that I, I have put a curse on my life forever. I have always said I'm always a better friend to my friends than they are to me. I have always said that. And it's, you know what, I would even go so far as to say in my head, I think it's true. You know, I think it's true because they've always turned away from me at some point or another. Some point or another. I used to say, you know, the guy who... The guy who will come out here and go outside of town and pick me up in a car at 2 in the morning because I ran out of gas. That's my buddy. Oh, and bring some drink along the way. You know, that was my buddy. But when I look back on it, those people, they always, they always go by the wayside. When the going gets tough, they're gone. Right? They're gone. And the ones that do hang around, that's just so they can make it worse on you. That's what it is. When in reality... Those people that were leaving me all that time were doing me a favor. They needed to be out of my life. And they were being pulled out of my life by something I didn't even know about at that time. You hear me? Like, I'm telling you, there's people that get pulled out of your life that you don't even understand why. And all these years, you think that I thought that they were deserting me and leaving me. And, but you know what? I was wrong. I had it all wrong. I had a, and I never would have known any of that, just so you know. Unless I had gone to identity teaching. I'll come back to that later. So I joined the military, made a decision to change. You know, I, I look back and, and I know it was a providence of God protecting me. I really do. I know that he had more for me. Honestly, he had more for me than I even, I even uh, could have realized myself. Right? I didn't know it. So let me ask you a question. If you think about your past today, can you think of anywhere that the providence of God intervened in your life and prevented you from doing something crazy or pulling you away or something like We can all have that time, right? So for some of you, the time is right now. Right now, that needs to happen. You need to let God have the providence in your life and change the direction you're in or in some perspective or aspect of your life. It doesn't have to be that you're just all messed up. It could just be singular things that you need to turn away from. Because once you start turning away from them, 
then more of those good things start coming your way, right? I don't know if the law of attraction is true, but I think that's what I just said, right? All right. So when I was in the military, I, I fell, I stumbled, I tripped, right? I mean, I didn't, it's not like I, it's not like I decided to join the military and clean up everything in my act. I just cleaned up enough to where I wouldn't die anymore. I wouldn't die anymore. I, I, don't even, I didn't even quit doing drugs until I was in the military for like four years. And I figured out, wow, you know what? I, I'm pretty good at this. Like, there might be something for me here. It took that long. But, as a young man in the military would do, it was good. It was good. You know, my, my parents put something in me, or my mom did. Oh, by the way, that reminded me. Does anybody remember this statistic? If you were here a couple weeks ago or whenever Brad was given a statistic about if mothers bring their children to church as opposed to fathers bringing their children to church, and I'm not going to get the statistic just right, but it was in the 40 percentile for mothers that bring their children to church that their children will continue to go to church. And in the fathers, it was in the 70s, I think. Does anybody remember? Okay, I was thinking it was higher too, but I didn't want to say that and sound crazy. Yeah, if the father brings them, it's so much higher. You with me? I lived that statistic out. My mother brought me to church. My father wasn't even saved. He, ne he didn't go to church till I think, after we were married, right? He had never, and my mom would pray for that guy. She probably prayed for us too, but she would pray for that guy to pray, pray to him to go. I don't think he went until after Lisa and I were married. Anyway, that's a different story. So that's how important it is for you fathers out there to be with your children in the word, bringing them to church, showing them the ways that they should go. Right? I'm a statistic. Don't be one. All right, so some people, they didn't have Jesus early in their life. Their mother wasn't bringing them to church. I hear you. I'm, I'm one of those people where my parents never brought me to church. You know, I didn't know anything about God. I was thinking about that, and I was like, man, somebody's thinking that. But you know what? Uh, man, there's a verse for that, too. There's a verse for everything, isn't there? I mean, there's a verse for everything. In Romans 1.20, I don't know if it was exactly fit verse, but it was good to me. For his, indivis his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, that's God, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Man, that sounds a little hard because it finishes off by saying people are without excuse. Look, it doesn't take a lot to look around the world, to look at the things out there and see that they are created and that we have a creator. You know, you see it in everything. We were sitting on the porch this morning or on the screened-in patio having a cup of coffee, which I love to do with her in the morning, even though sometimes I'm like, it's hot. She's like, get out here. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, and I always have to do something like that. I didn't mean that. Can we uh, take that off the tape? So 
so, so we're sitting out there, and she has this plant planter, this thing sitting out here, and we were just talking about how the hummingbirds don't come into our feeders. And so we don't even have the feeders up anymore because you know what found the feeders? The ants. They love the sugar water. They learned how to float. They were sailors. It was crazy. So, I mean, it's unbelievable. I think they bridge each other. They actually ant across the water, and then they bridge over themselves to get to the... Anyway, a whole other story. So we're looking at this plant out there, and all of a sudden the hummingbirds come up and start eating out of the little flowers in them. You know, and I was like, hey, that's nature's sugar water. Didn't I? That's what I said. That's nature's sugar water right there. Like God is in everything out there. None of us have any kind of excuse. So just because maybe you didn't have God in your life right then, that's okay. Because right now, you do. Right now, in this place, you do. He's here with us right now. He's in your life right now. He's, if he's not, he's knocking on your door. If he's not, he's knocking on your door. I promise you, he's right here. Because he's not going to violate your free will. He will not violate your free will. He won't cause anything bad to happen to you. That's just not how he works. Okay? So in the military, uh, you know, this is the next. So I, I was in the military. I did pretty good for a few years in there. But then it, towards the second half of that, I went to a shore duty station in Pensacola, Florida. And this is the next place that, that I just did something stupid. So, I, I, man, I was always interested in the occult. The supernatural was always interesting to me, as it is a lot of people, I think. But I never knew at that point, because I was in those early years, I just it wasn't talked about. I never realized that God was in the supernatural. You with me? I never realized that, which meant if it wasn't God, then who or where am I going? I'm going to Satan. And that's where I went. I went in a New Age bookstore. I met somebody in there who was a witch. And that's where I went. That's where I went. I found something that I thought would give me some power, you know, something I thought that would give me power. So I joined a coven of witches. I, you know, from that point on, for the next number of years, we were, you know, we learned how to, I learned, they already knew a lot of them, but we were casting spells, we were reading tarot cards, we were, I mean, we were astral projecting, we were doing all of these things that you read about in books, you know, those things are real. Let me tell you, they're real because I've been there and I know. So it's coming out of my mouth. The sound waves are coming out of my mouth to tell you that it's real. And to tell you that you don't even have to believe it. As a matter of fact, I liked it better when you didn't. Because then you had no defense. That made it easy. I was bending your will. I was bending your will and you didn't even know it. Okay, bad news. Celebrated all the festivals and the Sabbaths, Estabits and Sabbaths and all of that stuff. And I'm here to tell you, that was the enemy, for sure, yanking my chain. And here's the worst part. I had a child at 18 years old. Okay, I didn't even mention that before, but I had a child at 18 years old. And by this time, I had custody of her and I was a single parent. So that means I went back to Florida and I brought her with me. 
So what did I do? I just introduced her to all of this. You with me? All of it. And not only did I introduce her to it, I was encouraging her in it, right? So I want to say for a second, has anybody, it's called, anybody heard of generational curses? Okay, that's a generational curse that I started and gave to my daughter. You with me? Now, it may have been somewhere deeper in my past. That's a whole different conversation. But that's a generational curse that you pass on to your children. That's what generational curses are. But I want to tell you something. You being here today creates generational blessings. You hearing this information, taking it in, processing it, understanding it, that creates generational blessings for you and for your family going forward. Because you break any of those curses, and that curse turns into a blessing. And then your children, they don't pass on a curse, they pass on a blessing. You see the difference? And that generational blessing gets multiplied because they have children and they pass. That's how you win spiritual warfare. Okay? That's how you win. It's by getting this population to look at God instead of looking at the enemy. You can go up there and fight those, you know, principalities over there, those ruling, governing, spiritual things that everybody likes to go fight. But I'm telling you, what you've been called to do is co-labor with God right here on earth and to create generational blessings, and that pushes the enemy out of here. Take it from him one city at a time, one county at a time, one church at a time. Okay? That's how you do it. You don't need to go fight those things. You don't need to do that. You can't show me somewhere God has actually told you to do that. But you can see, you can find places where he's told you to do it right here on earth. Right here, to co-labor with him. That's so important, y'all. So, uh, right. All right. So reeling it back a second. <laughs> that never satisfied me, obviously. I mean, you think it does at the time, but that doesn't satisfy it. It doesn't. So, man, I'm going to tell you all, I was deep into that, but you know what happened next, right? Just like the last time when I was right on the edge, right on the edge, God's, God intervened with me one more time. Like, this guy is persistent. <laughs> like, really? Again? Like, you gave me a chance. Let me ask you a question. How many times do we intervene with somebody one time, and when they fall, we're like, I tried to help you. Uh, I already tried to help you. You, you. It's all on you now. No, I know. You, know, you guys have never done that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, none of us have. Yeah. So he come back to me again, and he said, hey, and he grabbed my arm again, gently. He was really gentle. Hey, I got another plan. I got another plan for you. And he took me out of the military. Honorably. I got out of the military. And when I left the military, I went from Pensacola, Florida, back to San Diego, California. Right? And that's when I, that's when I just completely stopped with the witchcraft. Just in a moment's notice, I went from here to here. Because here was 
this is <laughs> this I don't know this I don't know if this is true or not. Yeah. Let me see, does it feel true? Yeah, I think it feels true. I had accountability over here in my mom, who was this Christian woman. Not accountability as she was like literally holding me accountable, but just that, knowing what she was and knowing that I didn't want to disappoint her, whatever it may have been. But the Lord took me away from that. So I want to tell you something. That's, that's the next time that he did that. He just pulled me away again. And I'm like, what is he doing? Like, I'm not thinking that at the time, but what can be going on here? Right. Because what he really wants us to do is serve him. Right. That's really what we're done. All right. So the battle's over. Thank you. The Lord was working in my life again. I was discharged. I went back to California. I went into a company that my dad had just started a few months before. And man, the battle is over. Finally, I got out of that. I'm over here. Guess what? Low pay. Family company. I know how to make money. I know how to make money. And I went right back to it again. Right back to it again. This is all going to come together in a second. I'm getting there. But I went right back to it again. I knew, I knew this side over here was bad. I knew this side over here was good. And for some reason, in the natural, right here, in my flesh, I continued to choose that. I love my parents. I didn't want to mess up the company or any of that stuff. But there was no money in it. So I went back to selling drugs. That's what I did. Made pretty good money at it. There were some good times in here too. Don't get me wrong. There were some really good times in there. I love my family. I love that I had the opportunity to work with them for 10 years. That closeness that we had, even good times, bad times. We sold that company. My dad sold that company and we retired. He retired. I took about 12 months off. And I didn't do anything during that 12 months. But here's the way it worked. I didn't see it at the time. But not only did the Lord pull me out of this thing over here and bring me over here, he brought me over here so that I could find Sunrise Church in Santee, California. Because when we sold that company, all I did is sit around for some reason and have lunch with my parents. It's kind of weird at that age. But, but I did. I had lunch with them because they were retired. And, th- and we got into the Word, and I started reading the Bible. And, I, and man, I was memorize, not memorizing. I mean, like, I knew. I knew. I was reading the Scripture, and it was getting in my head, and it was piling up, and it was piling it up. I found Sunrise Church, which I loved going to church. I mean, I loved going there. It was, a, it was a church that we bought from the Mormons or something. It was a grocery store. Oh, it was a Smith Marketplace, which I think belongs to the Mormons or something, and turned it into a church. We thought, yeah, that's great. So I'm going to church there. It's really good, but I never quit doing the other part. Something in me said that I can do this and do this. You ever have that in you? You know that this that's going on over here is sinful. You know it is. But something inside of you says that you can keep that okay. You can balance that out and make it work. Yeah, that's not true. You know, so the... During that time at that church, the Lord was calling me into seminary school. (laughs) That's crazy. What a conflict do you think is going on in me? Right? I think I need to go to seminary school. Let's go do another line. I'm going to go sell this. It's crazy. Like, what are you thinking? You're thinking it's possible. I could probably pull that off. Yeah. It's crazy. You're not going to pull that off. You're not going to pull it off. That battle that we were seeing in the natural, 
When I, this is all looking back, of course, but that battle that's happening in the natural is also happening somewhere else, right? It's happening in the supernatural. It's reflected in the supernatural. They reflect each other. That's why if we start winning here, we're winning here. Okay? Keep that in mind. My head, my head knew the Lord. My head knew the Lord. But my heart had no idea who he was. And you know how you can tell that in somebody? Wait a minute. I take that back too. So our works are, are a product of our faith. Now, works don't save us, but they are a product of your faith. So if your works don't look good, I don't know. I'll leave that one up to y'all. So, man, then the next thing that happened to me was amazing. Uh, and I mean this from like, not because she's in the room, but it was amazing. Lisa, I met Lisa. A good, I don't think Lisa's ever lied. I mean, she gets mad once in a while, but I don't think she's lied. Like she's not, completely not who I was at that time. But the Lord put Lisa in my life, which was a big deal. And, and that really started me down this other road. And the funny thing is I found out later from her dad, who I love so much, he's a great dude, that he had always been praying for Lisa to find a Christian man. Is that true? Right? Like he'd been praying for her to find a Christian man. And I was like, at that time, I was like, me? Like, what are you thinking, dude? <laughs> You've already had to pull me out of this mess two or three times, you know? And now you tell me that her father's been praying for her to have a Christian man of which I was not that guy, or so I thought. Again, the plan, the plan that he has for you, right? The plan that he has for you. All right, so so Lisa and I, that worked. I stopped doing what I was doing. You know, I was with Lisa. Uh, we got married. We moved to Ohio. And finally, I'm done. Finally, my life is squared away. So I go to Ohio. I'm in a new company up there, and it was going really well really well. Lisa was keeping me on the straight and narrow. We were looking for churches. We went to church once in a while. You know what I mean? I knew who God was. We went to church once in a while. I wasn't preachy or any of that kind of stuff. You know, I didn't force anything on anybody. But then we started drinking. So I traded something for something because the enemy wanted to come at me one last time. This is the last time. And you know what he did? He wanted to keep my mind numb. He wanted to keep me mixed up. He wanted me to keep all of the hurts and the pains and those things that had been happening all those years that I thought a manly man puts that stuff away, right? Which is so far from the truth, right? A godly man exposes that and gives it to the Lord. That's what, that's what, a, that's what a godly man does. But that's what he did, and it kept me down for a really long time. And, man, I think he felt pretty safe. I think he thought he owned me. And what happens is tragedy strikes during those times because he doesn't quit. And it's just another kick in the teeth, right? It lets it go a little bit farther. Lets him take you a little bit more than you, than you, what's it, how's it go? You want, it costs you more than you want to pay, keeps you longer than you want to stay. It takes you farther than you want to go. Thank you. So finally, this, my, my good friend, business partner, is over at our house one night. We're just partying away like we always did. We had this big old map out on the table, 
of the, of the mountains. You remember that over on the mountains? We were going to go over to the mountains. He was a big Corvette guy. We were motorcycle people. He was going to, him and his wife, Kathy, were over there, and they were going to go to the mountains, and we're all drinking Crown Royal and partying it up, and just one more. This is typical of what we always did, but he went home and died. He got in his car, and he drove home, and he sat down in his recliner, and he died. And he had a heart attack or whatever happened to him. Yeah. Um, think about that. It's all good, though. It's all good. Because there was a plan in that, too. And that's the last time. That was the last time. That was the last time I had to have that happen. <coughs> because when that happened... Um, God looked at me and he said, haven't you had enough? I mean, haven't you had enough? How many times, how many times do you have to repeat this? I've laid this out for you. It's, it's right here. Why do you keep making these decisions? You can go to your destiny. You can fight it. What are you doing? And he changed things in my life after that. And he moved us to Tennessee, right? He moved us to Tennessee. Now, I didn't realize it at the time. You know, got r we got rid of the business. We sold the house. We did all of these things to move down to Tennessee. So <coughs> some of you guys are here today because God has a plan for you. Because he's moving in your life and you have to recognize it. You have to consciously recognize it because that's what co-laboring is. He'll keep putting it in front of you. He'll keep pulling you back from the edge. He'll keep rescuing you. But you can go back and live and wallow in your stuff if you want. But co-laboring with him and you'll come out of it. There is relief. So that, that you know, that's, that's like what we call our testimony, right? But what, here's the thing. If you're always talking about your testimony in your past, you know, you're always talking about what's happened to you before and how you got, you need to have a current testimony. You got to have a testimony for today because as long as you're alive and living and kicking, your testimony is not over. You got to bring it current. So what I just shared with you is my past testimony. Okay? Because of God's divine providence in my life. For me going to the brink and him continually, softly bringing me back. It allowed me to live in my current testimony. It's a little shorter. So I won't keep you for another however long we've been here. But my current testimony looks more like this. We were going to Long Hollow on and off. Living in Goodlettsville. I live in Goodlettsville down here. And Lisa comes home one day, or maybe I think I was traveling, and some of you may have heard this, and she, and she drove by this little church in Goodlettsville, this little bitty church. I was pretty much living right. Like, don't get me wrong. All that other stuff had stopped out of my life. When Terry passed away, it pretty much cleaned me up. But it didn't bring me in. I didn't step into what God had yet. I just stepped out of what Satan was given me. 
you with me? There was, I was in that neutral place, but seeking. And she drove by this little church here. Yeah, I was skeptical, of course, because the first time she brought me in here, I don't know, 10 people? Would you say? There might have been 10 people in here. And it didn't look quite like this, but it was, anyway, Brad wasn't even here. There was some other guy preaching. Some other guy preaching. And, um, I mean, he was fine, don't get me wrong. But he said to me, man, that's a really nice car. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know what this church wants. Yeah. But she brought me back. And then Brad came back a few weeks later, and, um, and you know, he kind of, man, he was just really accepting at that time. And then they had an Identity First conference here to go back, to bring this all back to full circle to what Bree talked about today. Then they had an Identity First conference here. And I came to that Identity co First conference, and I sat like five rows back on my right, your left, on the edge. And Ginger was up here talking about this sliding scale, this chair that goes back and forth, and all of this stuff. And man, I don't know what happened, but I started to feel something inside. You know, I just, I really did. It was like physical, and I started to cry. And I remember Ginger, because they split these. Ginger came up the next day, and I was crying that first two hours or whatever. Oh, my God, I was like, I hope nobody sees me. Don't they know I'm a man? And, you know, I mean, I was crying. It was crazy. It was crazy. I came back the next day, and Ginger's up here, and she's, they have these, they were going to give away these CDs, and Ginger is pr very prophetic, and they were talking about it, and she just takes this thing and walks down and walks over here and says, hey, this is for you. And she handed it to me. And it was like an online access to this Identity First conference for the next six months and whatever recordings they had or whatever. And it completely changed my life. That day, my head connected to my heart. You with me? That day, I, I would go so far as to say that day I was saved. I think if you had asked me prior to that, I would tell you, yes. But that day, my head connected to my heart. That was salvation. When God, when I gave this up. Not when I took in all the knowledge upstairs. It's big. It's relationship, relationship, relationship. You with me? It's not knowledge. It's relationship, relationship, relationship. That's what it is. Some of you are in that place. You've been in that place or you are in that place where your head needs to be connected to your heart. I became a deacon. I was ordained as a pastor last year. Bill and Judy Weinkoff spoke into myself and Lisa. Um, Colleen has spoken to me. Everybody spoke into me since I've been here. Everybody. You know, Brad continued to speak into me. So I want you to see, remember I talked about that law of attraction earlier? You see what switched in all of that? It went from me attracting all of these other things to attracting the things that God has for me over here. You with me? That's the way it works. So if it's time for you to do that, 
if it's time for you to start attracting these things over here, make that decision. If you're not saved, make that decision first. Make that decision first. If there's something that you need to give up, if you need God to come into your life more, if you need to give him that space that you're giving to something else, now's the time for you to do that. Because that's the pattern when you draw near to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. God is always going to use what the enemy meant for evil for good. <coughs> He's always going to do that. Well, that's what I have for you today. So we're going to let you play a little bit as we close. And I'm going to pray for a second. And then if you need prayer or you want to come up front and make a decision for Christ or give up something that you have, um, a couple of us maybe can come up here and you can pray with us. That'd be great. So, Lord, Lord, I thank you for the testimony. Lord, I thank you for the, I, I thank you in the good times. I thank you for the bad times. Lord, I recognize, I recognize that in every one of those moments that you were there, Lord. When I didn't see you, you're there. When we don't see you, you're there. Lord God, may we follow the plan. May Holy Spirit just guide us in every decision we make and every day. Lord, that we can stay on the straight and narrow, that we don't turn to the left and the right. Lord, give us the strength to give up those things that are not of you. Lord, give us the strength to choose good over evil. Lord, give us the strength to spend our time co-laboring with you to bring heaven to earth. Father God, we love you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.